DanielBritt.com. Success is much more than good business skills or perfecting one's talent. It also has a great deal to do with one's personal view on life and family. And our guest today is a shining example of true success. Here's Janet Paschal. Thanks, Janet, for stopping by. Thank you, Daniel. It's wonderful to be here. And we're really going to cover a lot of ground in a little bit of time. So (laughs) we're going to hold on tight. Did gospel music, uh, was it a part of your life growing up? I grew up wanting to sing gospel music, and that's all I wanted. I watched the Rambos and, mm. uh, you know, all the groups back then. And I, I used to pray when I was a little girl, Lord, please let me sing Christian music. <laughs> <laughs> How many people have prayed that? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Uh, does it amaze you to, to be where you are now and to think back to those early days of, of when it seemed impossible, maybe? You know what? I never knew. I never dreamed all of the things that I would be able to do all of the doors the Lord would open for me. I I didn't even know about the doors, yeah. <laughs> very much less have access to them. And I I just sit back amazed. In fact, I was I flew in yesterday. Yeah. And when the plane landed, we taxied up to the the um, gate. Mm-hmm. And the two, there were two ladies in front of me sitting on the plane. They were talking, and one said, "Well, what are you here for?" And the lady said, "My husband is singing at the." quartet convention tomorrow and the lady said oh that's really good and she said yes she said it is a lifelong dream for him he's singing singing in the group and they're in a showcase huh. here at national quartet and it is a lifelong dream and i sat there and i said lord don't let me ever take what i do for granted hmm. help me to just savor every day of it and there have been a lot of doors open for you, and you would you would uh, agree with that statement, I'm sure. Where did you find the key to the door to the Lefebvre's? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they were coming to my hometown, and they were looking for a soprano and a pastor in my hometown. My tiny little hometown of 12,000 people um, told them about me, and they said, well, we'll audition her. Mm-hmm. And they ha- had auditioned a lot of girls, and uh, they hired me yeah. that night. Yeah. Uh, and what was the song? The Hoppers are... Redoing a Lefebvre song. Have you heard about it? It's one, one that you were featured on. Um, I've come too far to yes, look back. Yes. Which is a great song. That's a killer song. Just recently, I I have featured one of those older cuts that you were on, and it's uh. it's cool to hear. What do you think about going back and listening to your voice then and your voice now? What kind of maturing process took place? I listen to that and I think, man, I I can't even think that high now. <laughs> But um, you know what? My last record, Home Again, actually has one of the songs that I recorded with the Neelans mm-hmm. because, you know, the, uh, the Lefevers changed the name to the Neelans after about a year. Sure. And we recorded a song called If You Had Known Me. And on my last project, I re-recorded that. So I, I love those old songs. So for you, it was just nothing much changed when the Lefevers just through time changed to the Rex Neeland singers and the Neelands, and you were just there for the ride. Right. Actually, when I actually joined the group, Rex Neeland had already bought the group, but mm. they still went under the name Lefevers because Eva May was still there and Alphys. And um, after about a year, they decided to make the big change, which is a big change, yeah. you know, changing yeah. the name. And none of the people changed, just the name. You talked about a big deal that was. Sometimes 
it may not be as big deal. But when you're talking about the Lefebvre's, that was a very historic name, and for it to change to maybe a relatively unknown name like the Neelands. Exactly. Um, were you met with criticism? Were you met with op- opposition to that? I don't think it, people criticized us or opposed us, but I do think they sat back and watched, and they said, let's see what happens here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what year was that that you joined the Lefebvre's? 1975. And you stayed through with the Neelands until what year? Um, 1981. And is that is that the point where you you worked with uh, John Starnes, with uh, with Jimmy Swagger's tele- television program? That's right. right. Yeah, and uh, he's a great guy too, John Starnes. Yeah, did that give you more exposure because it was television, a new audience? It absolutely did, and because the Jimmy Swagger telecast was worldwide, mm-hmm. and we would do crusades overseas, and we would get off the airplanes, and there would be thousands of people there just to watch us walk from the airplane into the airport, just, you know, in those countries, um, just uh, unimaginable exposure and numbers. When you jumped into the television and the Jimmy Spire telecast, was that going from singing in a group to solo, or were you still singing with a group in a sense? It absolutely was going yeah. from singing in a group to solo. And I never really pursued that. I never woke up one day and said, I want to be a soloist. I just wanted to sing. And the role, the need they had was for a soloist. So um, they called me. They had seen me with the Neelands, their mm-hmm. music person. And uh, so I said, well, sure. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I became a soloist. Voila. <laughs> My first record actually released while I was there. And so that's when I began doing solo concerts, which was a totally different animal yeah. from standing on a platform and singing for a crusade. What was the end of that first project? I Give You Jesus. We talked about your, your voice changing. I guess all voices do through the years. What part do you sing now? What is it alto or still soprano? Well, I, I don't know. I think I'm somewhere in between um, because a lot of my songs have a lot of range. So they'll have a lot of lows and then they'll have some highs and um, you know, depending on what night it is, I might change the melody up. Sure, <laughs> you know, sure. who knows? Yeah. But uh, I, I think uh, technically I fall somewhere between soprano and alto. Did, uh, as a singer, have you have you learned anything through the years when you started? Were you just singing and not conscious of your voice and vocal care? And who taught you the most about that sort of thing? I have through the years had vocal coaches and have just had some awesome, awesome teachers. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Lefevers were such a, an exacting, technical, mm. musically correct family. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot from them, just yeah. from them. So I, every night when I sing, I remember things that my vocal coaches have taught me. Through to this day, you have continued solo, uh, aside from an occasional impromptu trio with Gaither or something. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, and have you enjoyed the solo ride? I really have. I really have. And um, I, I don't know. You know, I, I was, again, I, I never started out to be a soloist, and I never pursued, um, you know, being in a group or having a group. So it it has just worked, and I enjoy it. So mm-hmm. I said, you know, as always, I say, well, okay, Lord, you know, if you want to change it, then be like one of those little railroad tracks where the tracks change. You yeah, know, I'll yeah, go right along yeah, with it. <laughs> yeah. 
what year did you see the picture of the manure carrying guy in uh, uh, and, and fall in love? It was actually sod. Was sod, but it wasn't. Yes. It, it wasn't. It, no, I thought it was manure. No, and, and I thought that was. I thought there was a story that was told uh, that it was some kind of fertilizer, and it was kind of like you know, if a guy can take this kind of picture and send it, he might be worth checking out. <laughs> actually, it it was the picture that made me say yes. Um, right. He had read my book. Right. And discovered that I was single, so he wrote me a letter, a charming letter, very gracious, generous letter. Um. And he enclosed the picture, and it was the picture that was the clincher. Mm-hmm. He had been landscaping his yard, mm-hmm. and in the picture he had on dirty blue jeans, a dirty denim shirt, and he was carrying an armload of sod. Okay. And I was so impressed. <laughs> I said, anybody this secure must be worth at least a good conversation at dinner. Yeah, yeah. So we had our first date, and six months later we were married. Well, John, I honestly thought it was manure. <laughs> I'm not, no disrespect. That's the first time I've heard that. That's kind of funny. Well, I, what did Mark Twain say? Don't let, don't let a good story get in the way of the truth. <laughs> That's right. Um, what, year, what year did you meet him? What year did you get married? Um, we just celebrated seven years. So I married him in 1999, mm-hmm. and we met in 1998. You grew up in North Carolina, is that right? Correct. And you moved to Atlanta when you uh-huh. sang with the, the LaFevers in the Netherlands. Right. And uh, now you're back in North Carolina. Is that where you call home? Yes. Was John living in that area, or did he have to relocate? No, John was living in Denver when we met. Okay. And his job, he can kind of live anywhere he wants to. Yeah. So he, I was living in Nashville when we met. Mm-hmm. So he moved to Nashville. And um, about two years ago, we moved to North Carolina, my home state. And he still flies? He still, still flies. Uh-huh. Does it, uh, in this post-9-11 world, ever make you nervous? It's a different day yeah. for aviation, that's for yeah. sure. When did you get the news about the cancer? January 7th. Um, what year? 2005. Okay, so this was well into your marriage. You, um, oh yeah. And, and when you look back on that, do you uh, do you thank God when when you look at the timeline of when you got married and you had time to get established in that marriage and then that hits? If there was ever a good time, exactly. You know, not only that, but we had moved to North Carolina near Duke Medical Center, which is where I received all of my care, mm-hmm. and uh, so I really saw the Lord's hand uh, preparing us for that. And you know what? As difficult as it was for me going through the treatments, I always tell John it had to be harder for him. Mm. It would have been harder for me to watch him than for me to go through the treatments. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, they are the unsung heroes, the spouses and the parents and the children, the ones that watch their loved ones go through that. And in 2006, are you... Totally cancer-free? What's the prognosis? The doctors say, as far as they can tell, and that is quite a qualifier, mm-hmm. but they say, as far as we know, you are cancer-free. And when did you get that good news? Well, actually, um, when they we did one regimen of chemotherapy, and then they did a lumpectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, they discovered that the first, re- the first chemotherapy had been ineffective against my particular brand of breast cancer, mm. which means when they removed the tumor, it still contained live cells. Um, the great news is that the lymph nodes were clear and the margins were clear. But they said just in case a cell has escaped, we have to assume maybe it 
wasn't killed sure. as well. So we did the second regimen of chemotherapy, and then we did the radiation. So um, we finished that up actually right around Thanksgiving mm-hmm. last year. And uh, so then this year was a little bit more of the just sort of getting rid of some of the side effects and plowing through that, that kind of thing. Not to imply that you lived a flamboyant lifestyle before, <laughs> but uh, since you were diagnosed and since you've gone through all that, which I can't even imagine what I would do, has that changed your outlook on life? Well, I've always been a very positive person. My husband says I'm Betty Boop with Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. (laughs) He says I'm the most positive person he's ever met. So I don't think it changed that. Um, But I will tell you that the sun shines a little brighter. Yeah. And the breeze feels a little cooler. At the 2006 Singing News Fan Awards, and as a matter of fact, just a few mm-hmm. minutes ago, uh, from the time we're taping this, uh, you stood side by side with Roger Bennett as co-host of that program. Yes. Roger still going through his treatments, and now with the news that he has just received. Uh, did you guys ever talk to each other through the process since you were sort of on the same in the same area of life? We did, and he was very encouraging when I was first diagnosed. Um, you know, it's just heartbreaking I, because I wish that he could get a qualified, you're well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't see any cancer, you know. So, and, you know, and especially when you sit with somebody like him that you care about and have a conversation, you realize how blessed you really are. Hmm. Do you agree with his statement that he told me yesterday that um, for him at least, uh, he seems to... I may be misquoting him word for word, but he seemed to work a little bit harder when he's sick. He doesn't like that, doesn't doesn't wish that upon himself, but he notices that he does do things differently when he uh, is given the bad news. Mm. Did you find that to be true in your uh, through your experience? Uh, I don't really think so. Mine, you know, I had a window of treatments, and that I mean, they just they knocked me off my feet. And basically, you know, my life was on hold during that process. Mm-hmm. So he's he's been at it 10 years now. And um, so, you know, I, I just, I can't imagine how strong he's had to be. Wow. Well, today, uh, your music, it speaks to many people, uh, just as it always has. But I think especially now they know that you're a real person and you've <laughs> gone through some tough stuff. And stylistically, you've crossed into inspirational and into southern gospel, maybe in some cases just a category that's not even doesn't even carry a label. Uh, where do you plan to go in the future with your music? You know what? I really like where my last record was because I just put songs on it that I loved. You know, I love the old hymns like my dad and his brothers used to sing, the old bluegrass mm-hmm. gospel. Um, I love that. I love the big band jazz. Uh, that's just in my blood. I think I was born in the wrong era. <laughs> I yeah, love that. Yeah. I love an inspirational ballad that you can just really sink your teeth into. Then I love a fast, up-tempo clapper, you know. Sure, sure. So I just put the songs on there that I love. Although my next project is going to be a hymns mm. project, which will be my first in all of my years. My first completely hymns 
project. We'll look forward to it. How can we keep up with uh, with all the happenings, everything related to Janet Pascal? That's easy. JanetPascal.com. And you can keep up to date with Miss Marple, is it? Oh, how do you know about Miss <laughs> Marple? Oh, my goodness. And Mo. Yeah. Oh, uh, my goodness. And you've got a little dog, right? Yes, yeah. Max the Wonder Dog. Yeah. Maxwell Smart. Well, make sure you tell them all hello for me. (laughs) I will. And they'll be delighted to hear from you, Daniel. (laughs) Great. Hey, thanks for stopping by, and let's do it again soon. Let's do it.